Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Hello and welcome to the Yahoo Fantasy Football Forecast. I'm Liz Loza and I am joined all season long on Fridays with my good friend Dalton Del Don. We'll be giving you a preview of the Sunday games ahead of each week. Dalton, hi. What's up, Liz? I'm happy and excited to do this pod with you weekly. I'm ready for football to start. Um, I'm not proud of it, but I just completed my, I think it's my 25th uh, redraft league earlier today. That's 25 managed leagues I got myself into, not best ball. Uh, It's a disaster. Never been anywhere close to this, but uh, it is what it is. But excited to talk some football with you. Dalton Del Don already promoting the volume is king strategy in fantasy football. Like you're bound to make the playoffs in a handful of those. <laughs> yeah, that's just, yeah, exactly. Just by, yeah, exactly. By volume. Exactly. Hopefully I'll make, yeah. The, the goal is a little higher than that, Liz. Come on. I, I Listen, I am in a high stakes, big money uh, auction league with you, which I like fall apart in every single year. Let's be honest. I completely S the B. Um, and you do very, very well. The strike team is one of the sneakiest waiver wire movers I've ever encountered. Yeah, well, that's a fun league. I just, oh, I'd just, i love to next year in Vegas again in person. You know, we miss uh, Evans and crew. That's, that's you know, that, that's better. But yeah, that was a, that's a tough league. I think that one's even, is that a, one of those is a 14-teamer? And yeah, very competitive and tough. But yeah, I mean, yeah. That's, I think and we're not enough leagues together, huh, Liz? Is that the only that's one okay. this year? That's what I, you know what? I, I don't like the 25 anymore. Like, I have scaled back. So that yeah, I can like really smart. focus on them. But I understand. In fact, I think more people should be like you and not me. And they should make sure to sign up for a fantasy team or 25 with us at Yahoo. And if they really want an edge over their league mates this year, they should check out Yahoo Fantasy Plus because it has a ton of awesome features like a trade hub, a research assistant. I found that really cool, by the way. Like I was checking it out a little earlier. There are cheat sheets, which we've both contributed to all sorts of deep extra features on top of the Yahoo Fantasy that they're already familiar with, that they know, they love. So go ahead and sign up for a league and get your free trial of Yahoo Fantasy Plus at yahoo.com slash fantasy football. And now let's stop with the pleasantries because there is some big time news to get to. Ravens, the Ravens, man, really bad luck in their backfield. First, it was J.K. Dobbins, then Justice Hill out for the season with an Achilles. Now they're worried that Gus Edwards tore his ACL in practice on Thursday. They actually ended the practice early because cornerback Marcus Peters and then Gus Edwards were seriously hurt on back-to-back plays. 
And there has been a whole cacophony of activity surrounding Baltimore as a result. Um, we know that we know that on Wednesday they signed Le'Veon Bell to the practice squad. I talked about that signing with Charles Robinson on the You Pod to Win the Game podcast. And Trenton Cannon was also at. I think Trenton Cannon, by the way, like three years in the league, two with the Jets, and he's I think tallied 48 carries over that amount of time. Um, initially, Le'Veon Bell was added to the practice squad, assumingly to like get back into game shape, you know, and learn the playbook. But now there are reports that Harbaugh says that he has a chance to be activated in Monday's game. And then, as we were just booting up, we found news that Devonta Freeman was added to the team as well. So a whole bunch to sort out. I think that probably right now, week one, obviously a very fluid situation. Tyson Williams is probably the best bet for Monday night in terms of production. What do you think? Oh, totally agree there. Devastating news for those obviously who drafted Edwards, who was obviously looking to be the feature back there. And for the Ravens, everyone keeps going down. Don't forget Rashad Bateman, too, and Marquise Brown, the receivers, although Brown looks back now. But a rough preseason. So my main thoughts here is I moved Tyson Williams into my top 30, but not too much above that. He's like an RB3. He's the last man standing there. I'm not I'm not rushing to the waiver wire to pick up Bell or Freeman. I mean, I just think they'd be a committee in at this stage of their careers um, as number two or three options. I'm not that excited. I think Lamar Jackson has an argument to be the number one fantasy QB. I mean, he's just going to get all of the touchdowns there. I mean, he's just going to run even more in. So, um, yeah, move Tyson Williams up, obviously. Yeah, like a, a flex-type option now, the, the number one, clearly, on Monday night and moving forward. Um, and I, I don't love the the veteran options behind them. Maybe you can talk me otherwise, but I don't know. I don't see much upside there. What do you think, Liz? No, I think the Ravens are doing exactly what you're doing in fantasy, and they're throwing a whole bunch of stuff against the wall and seeing what sticks. Latavius Murray, maybe? Latavius Murray? Well, so it's interesting, though, that the team added Devonta Freeman because Devonta Freeman was the back in addition to Latavius Murray, that was cut by the Saints, and we're going to get to a preview of all of those teams in a bit, but Josina Anderson reported two days ago that she got off the phone with Latavius Murray after he was cut, and he said he'd really like to go to a place like Baltimore. He was ready to work. He was in shape, and, you know, he's been practicing, obviously, much more, and it seemed to be like the disagreement in New Orleans seemed to be about money more than performance. It is interesting that it was Freeman who was cut ahead of Murray that got this gig. I am not sure. You know, Le'Veon Bell, to me, I remember last year when he was added to the Chiefs, everyone's like, oh, I don't know. He won't go to a place where, like, he doesn't get playing time. And I was like, nah, I think he just wants to go to a place that's not a circus in a bad way, like the Jets, and also a place where he can win. And he's tired of, like, losing and all of the madness that came with the Adam Gase and company show. And then don't forget, he sprained his his knee towards the end of the season. He barely made, he was inactive for the Super Bowl. So this is a player who also got hurt at the end of last year. I don't, and he's not, he's assumedly not in game shape. We also know that he's a player who admittedly at the top of his career maybe struggled with conditioning a little bit. So it wouldn't surprise me that that pattern reappears for him. And I, I, I said this on the show with Charles, like, I feel like when Le'Veon Bell is added to the practice squad and then the Ravens go and add Trenton Cannon to the regular team, that to me signals that Bell's not ready yet. You know, like he might get there, but he's not. And then you add Freeman. I I think you're right. Tyson Williams, like the matchup against the Raiders is pretty good on Monday night for 
Williams. The Raiders allowed the uh, fifth most fantasy points to the running back position last year. It's a big spot. I think you're right about Lamar Jackson. I have Williams in week one, knowing this is a fluid situation, as my RB25. So Bell may be a pain enough to take away snaps from the guys ahead of him, like he did CEH admittedly last year, but approaching 30 and he's past the 1500 career carry mark. I mean, I just don't think he's going to be any, any asset for, for fantasy wise. And yeah, sure. Top 25 t- sounds right about right, right to me back end RB two against the Raiders with the backfield to himself. Uh, no argument, no pushback here, there. All right. Well, let's go and start previewing the rest of the games. If news pops up while we're recording, we'll obviously report it to y'all because that's our job. Let's start first with the Jaguars at the Texans. I mean, this is the kind of like, I have to admit, I was like, oh man, I wish this wasn't week one. I wish this was like some week 15 fantasy playoff action because these two defenses should be allow for generosity on their offenses. Um, What is the one thing that you are looking for or bold prediction or, or what first comes to your mind when focusing on this matchup it's wild the one in 15 jacksonville team is three point favorites on the road but it makes sense against this texans roster um, i mean what is urban meyer i mean how, what's urban meyer gonna do all the i mean the last three months have just been nothing but you know like uh, uh-oh what's going on here and so i'm gonna see if suddenly a carlos hyde gets 45 percent of the backfield work and james robinson managers go crazy so the number one takeaway i'm looking for this game is is, is what happens with with urban meyer's first game coaching obviously trevor lawrence i think we're all i'm also looking at the jaguars right because there's a lot of hype a lot of anticipation the number one overall pick a generational talent this storied college coach joining the NFL ranks. But to me, I'm looking at these wideouts. I have been very high on Marvin Jones. I actually started writing Marvin Jones sleeper pieces when like, when I was writing Trevor Lawrence pieces because I was like, these two are going to be together. Like Marvin Jones is constantly slept on. He scored nine touchdowns in back-to-back seasons. I have him fearlessly forecasted for 74 yards and a touchdown Houston gave up 22 scores to wide receivers last year, but I did get a question from a Twitter follower at ball arc actually. And was like, Liz, I get that you're high on Marvin Jones. You've been plenty loud about it, but what about DJ Chark? And I feel like a lot of people are like, yeah, what about DJ Chark? Like he missed a ton of practice time in August with, I believe a finger issue to me, Chark, at least right now, again, Everything is going to shift. Everything is going to change. The way the season starts is probably, unless you're in Kansas City, not how it's going to end. And so I feel like the rapport with a rookie, yes, a generational talent, but still a rookie quarterback that hasn't yet been established makes me feel like Chark is kind of on the outside looking in right now. With no tight end there and with Trevor Lawrence taking over, man, there's definitely opportunity with these wideouts here. I had been fading Shark all summer, but he quietly went from the first receiver going in fantasy to the third in, in Jacksonville. So so it makes sense now. I'm definitely not against that. He's one season removed from 1,000 yards. That's really impressive workout metrics. Um, you know, we heard Meyer say he was a big player who played small last year, so I was kind of out. But then the injury, so he's, his ADP is definitely making it more affordable. On the flip side, uh, in these big money NFFC leagues, Liz, LaVisca Schnoltz is going to the sixth round. I mean, he is 
the most helium. I, I mean, obviously, well, Callaway. Okay, no one could beat Callaway, but Chenault is really flying up draft boards. So my answer is kind of Marvin Jones, a happy medium. I think he, you know, he followed Bevel there from Detroit. Um, Meyer had no ties to Shark, and, and he signed Jones. And I think Jones is, you know, a veteran. He maybe maybe he can't stay healthy, or whatever. But uh, I don't know. I think his is a good match for 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 Lawrence, and, and the ADP is right as well. So we'll watch the distribution of both the touches in the backfield and the targets to the receiving core. Let's move along to the Chargers at the Washington football team. This could be our, I have a feeling that Justin Herbert is going to headline a lot of week one potential bust articles because that is a fearsome D-line. Washington's opening the season at home and the Chargers every, you know, if Austin Eckler, my co-host, is it all hampered by his hamstring, then Justin Herbert won't have that safety valve to check down to against a really tough defensive front. Yeah, yeah. The storyline for me is the uh, the improved or hopefully improved Chargers offensive line versus that Washington defensive front. Chase Young looks uh, unstoppable right now. So yeah, Herbert, the last nine games last season, 6.6 YPA, uh, theoretically much improved coaching this year. Although Lombardi has been questionable when he's been a play caller in the past. I mean, that was Peyton doing the play calling in New Orleans. So I'm really curious how Herbert looks. I, I get it. He looks the part and he's throwing those bombs downfield and, and putting up miraculous numbers under pressure but I don't know I'd like I'd like to see how he does in year two with game film on him and man being one point favorites in a 10 a.m body clock game in Washington against this defense is no no easy task you're right like there'll be a lot of a lot of fades for good reason I mean this is a very very tough matchup where do you have Justin Herbert ranked I'll say that I have him just outside of my top 12 yeah, I knew you. Uh, so I have not fine-toothed my weekly rankings enough this week, admittedly, because of all the aforementioned drafts. But um, that yeah, that makes sense. But uh, I, yes, I'm going to have him outside of my. T- I can definitely think of better, twelve better options this week. Yes, than at Washington. So we'll agree he's somewhere in the like Matt Ryan, Kirk Cousins range. Yeah, that makes sense. Yep, hundred percent. Yep. All right, Seahawks at the Colts. Um, This one is interesting because I would imagine that the Colts, given all of the tumult that has gone on in Indianapolis over the summer, would be favored by more than three per bet MGM. But alas, here we go. Um, You know, tell me first, I have a feeling your takeaway as an NFC West supporter is going to be about the Seahawks. So give it to me. I just looked at Herbert actually one spot below Cousins. So right on there. Um, well, I love Jonathan Taylor and I have him everywhere. So I'm super excited to see how they use him. But Shane Waldron, yeah. Are, is Seattle going to throw it with Russell Wilson? Are they going to go back? Because it's kind of uh, conflicting uh, messages there. Waldron wants to do the play, the, the up-tempo more. But there's also been a, a lot of message there from Carroll being like, want to go back to pounding the football old school. You know, that was the problem in the second half with the turnovers. So uh, conflicting messages there. So I'm really curious to see if they let Russ cook. I also would just like to posit, not that I know more than Pete Carroll by any means, that maybe finding a steady third option in the receiving game is part of the reason production dropped off, or efficiency, I should say, dropped off in the second half of 2020. And they seem to have drafted, you know, a, a rookie, and they have Gerald Everett there too. So I'm, I, I've said this all summer long. Like, even if Russ doesn't cook, I am expecting him to at least simmer this season. But the Colts' defense, obviously... 
very, very good squad. I am interested in, and I don't think this is a player that's gotten enough pub over the summer, Michael Pittman. He was one of my favorite rookies coming out of USC last year. Um, you know, his dad played running back in the NFL, and that shows up even though he's a wide receiver in his game after the catch because he runs so tough after he has the ball. He projects to be a possession receiver, but T.Y. Hilton is out right now, which elevates Pittman in terms of target volume um, to the number one spot. Paris Campbell is still there. A lot of people obviously like Paris Campbell in DFS. They always have. He's great. He's a great, like, high ceiling, low floor kind of play for those money leagues. Um, but I think that Michael Pittman deserves to be as part of the conversation. I want to watch his rapport with Wentz because Wentz obviously hasn't been available uh, to to the receiving core to, to build chemistry. But it wouldn't surprise me to see Pittman go for 70 yards and a touchdown this week. Love the Pittman call uh, with you there. And can I go a, a really deep, deep sleeper here? Guys getting undrafted even in 20-round leagues. Um, everyone loves Campbell, as you mentioned. But I think I really think Campbell might be playing on the outside. And Zach Pascal or Pascal, I get confused because he's also a warrior player, um, is going to play the slot. And Wentz just throws the slot as much as any quarterback. And you, with Hilton gone, I think Pascal is going to be the guy that people are rushing or, or, or one of the popular week two waiver wire pickups, especially in PPR leagues. Not a ton of upside. I'm with you on Pittman. But in like PPR leagues, I could see him racking up the catches quietly. I think that is a solid, solid prediction. You are completely accurate in saying that and Zach Pascal has been one of these waiver wire warriors over the past few years so oh we're already like it's week one we already got these deep nugs I love it all right let's get to the Jets at the Panthers this is obviously the Sam Darnold revenge game uh the Panthers are favored by four so congrats Sam hopefully you'll get a W on the old squad any thought I mean there's a there's a lot of intriguing rebuilding kind of wrinkles in this matchup Oh, yeah. So many angles to go. Obviously, CMC's return, Zach Wilson. Um, I, the Jets receivers actually the most intriguing to me. Corey Davis flying up uh, draft boards because he was used just like, I mean, like a, you know, a top 15 usage rate or maybe top 10 usage rate in the preseason. But then there's Elijah Moore returning to the field, who I've, I've honestly never seen as much hype as far, for, a, for a football skill position player that I can remember that Elijah Moore this summer from what I've read. Um, and I've kind of fallen for it. I believe he looks like he's the real deal. So, Man, Zach Wilson and these two uh, two new receivers are, are definitely you might have my have my interest. Yeah, I'm interested in the Jets. Back. It's interesting because you uh, were on the receiver the backfield earlier, and in Jacksonville, and I was looking at the receivers. I'm looking at the backfield here because I think between and I want to credit you. I believe that you Dalton Del Don started the Ty, Ty Johnson sleeper drumbeat. It was all you. Everyone right now, like, uh, if you're part of hashtag fantasy Twitter, know that Dalton Del Don was the one who created the helium. You blew the helium in his balloon and made him a sleeper. And I'm glad you did, because that, on top of the Michael Carter rookie hype, completely buried the fact that um, Tevin Coleman is the RB1 on this squad. I ain't saying that he is going to stay the RB1, but he is right now the lead back, and he has... He has been with the team's offensive coordinator since his rookie year in 2018 in Atlanta, right? Like, LaFleur has come over from the 49ers along with Coleman, so there's some important connective tissue here. We also know that he's a great pass catcher, and I love that you mentioned Elijah Moore because Elijah Moore in this matchup has a fantastic matchup against Miles Hartsfield, who is the projected slot cornerback for the Carolina Panthers. It's a much easier matchup, but I think at the beginning, you're going to see Coleman take a good amount of snaps out of 
the slot. And I think that in PPR formats, he's going to be a sneaky play this week because he's going to get a lot of run there and he's going to match up really well. They have a different LeFleur there calling plays who could be an up-and-comer, an underrated offensive line, assuming Becton's right. Uh, Michael Carter, just fourth rounder, too. There's not, no pedigree to play him. But I'm sticking with my Ty Johnson. Thank you for the props. Not only did he pass the eye test when you watched him last year, but the rush yards over expectations showed that it, you know he was really good when on the field. And Tevin Coleman, uh, maybe just being burned as a Niners guy, I just don't trust him staying uh, healthy for one half of football, let alone uh, a season. And he's 28 years old now, too, so I, uh, I just don't see it so yeah man all the ty johnson you can get late round flyer dalton loves him dalton loves him and again i i don't i think there will be some movement certainly throughout the season but in week one give me tevin coleman for oh yeah, yeah for sure that's fair that's fair no yeah. tevin coleman week one for just 14 dollars in yahoo dfs like I, I am putting him in places i think he's sneaky. i actually got a, an, an instagram question in my dm from Someone who had Gus Edwards, and she happened to have Tevin Coleman on her bench. And I was like, that is probably the best auto draft pick that has ever been made given these circumstances. She's, like, going to use him in the flex right now. So there you go. A little other nug. Elijah just 12. Sorry. Elijah just 12 in Yahoo DFS. Another great. Yes. Another great. um, Another great price for a player with a good matchup. Um, Let's move along to the Vikings at the Bengals. Projected point total here of 47 and a half. Consequently, you going over or under on that one? Uh, I will say under because I, I like the Vikings D just 10 bucks. This is the minimum in Yahoo DFS. And man, their unit looks good. And uh, Cincinnati's offensive line with the struggles. Joe Burrow coming out um, outdoors. Yeah, I could see their most run heavy team uh, and their slow pace. Um, I'm not a huge, I want to say big over under guy, but yeah, I would say under here. Okay, I, I don't I don't disagree. I like your take about the defense because last year had so many green players on it, and I think that that's kind of why we saw inflated passing numbers from Minnesota because it just everything got away from them a little bit. And now that the defense has had some time to improve, um, I think we're going to see more of a focus on the ground game than we did last year. And to that end, Adam Thielen, 14 touchdowns last year, prime regression candidate, no doubt about it, but in this matchup, also noting that Irv Smith is unavailable. I'm going to use a phrase that our colleague Scott Pianowski uses all the time, and for good reason. This is a narrow pass catching tree. We love that. Adam Thielen, even though everyone's like, regression, regression, I think they might have overcorrected a little bit too much. $24 in Yahoo DFS. I think he is going to go for over 60 yards and a touchdown minimally. I uh, like, yeah, the- Thielen's, uh, the- uh, and then on the flip side, um, well, yeah, Trey Waynes, exactly. Yeah, Trey Waynes is going to be out, right? So there's no revenge game. So that, that helps too with the uh, the secondary in Cincinnati. We'll be missing a piece there too. Any thoughts on Jamar Chase? I know we both thought that he was going to start slow. He apparently said that the drops in the preseason were caused because it was, quote, hard to see. Yeah, I mean, you probably got to roll with him, but I actually ended up with him on zero of those said 25 teams. I'm sure he will be fine, but it might be a slower start. You know, I've referenced this a couple times, Liz, on the show, but Mike Clay, he compiles his uh, unit grades. So it's not like a subjective thing. I think he, he just compiles like PFF's grades for every defensive player, and he puts it together. And he has the Vikings as the number two defense entering the year for what it's worth. Now, they have no depth. That's the problem with this team at all. They're very top-heavy. But, I mean, entering the year with Daniel Hunter back on that D-line against this uh, Cincinnati offensive line, I mean, it could be problems for Burrow in that passing. Especially, yeah, Chase more downfield. I could see Boyd just getting all the looks. Oh, uh, I love Boyd. I love Boyd. I love Mixon, too, frankly, without Gio Bernard there available 
to oh, yeah. utilize his patch sketching skills. He has in the past, when given the opportunity, Ben, not many people have run the numbers on this quite an efficient uh, receiver out of the backfield. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, love him too, for sure. Yeah, yeah, he's getting, he's going to get so, yeah, he's looking at a career high workload if he can stay healthy. Awesome. All right, Cardinals at Titans. You said career high. Charles and I discussed the fact that Cliff Kingsbury might be on the hot seat with his career right now if the Cardinals, who are, by the way, at the bottom of the division odds-wise to win the division, I would admit also that the NFC West is without question the most most difficult division in football. But I do still think it's interesting that if Kingsbury doesn't get this path, this spread offense, this college concept, this thing we were so excited about. If he doesn't get this moving, there are going to be some problems. And we know that the Titans, who are certainly coached up by Rabel, but don't have much of a defense, are favored by three in this one. Yeah, and I think uh, the uh, Cardinals were first in pace in neutral situations and Titans were third last year. So it should be a lot of plays. We like that in fantasy uh, my, my number, uh, hopefully Julio's healthy and AJ Brown's healthy. Those receivers have seemingly missed a practice every single, uh, day for the past couple months. Um, uh, my, my big, uh, takeaway here is, uh, Arthur Smith leaving Tennessee and now Todd Downing calling the plays with JJ Watts first game in Arizona for Arizona. So yeah, I think that that's uh, kind of a little bit underreported and that, that Tennessee's really going to miss Arthur Smith, but, um, uh, we'll see the, the big dog could certainly eat against Arizona. That that's for sure too. There should be a ton of volume and opportunity here. At least that's what Vegas is projecting. It has an over-under of 51 and a half. So that happens also to be the second highest projected point total of Sunday. I want to keep an eye on Rondell Moore, right? Like this was a, a second-round pick out of Purdue. He's rostered in just 26% of Yahoo Leagues right now. He's been battling for that wide receiver three spot against Christian Kirk. And, you know, if Kingsbury can deliver on the promise that he made of using these speedy receivers and the tempo that you mentioned, then more could really start to climb and be one of these early season ads that just surprises the knock against him. Obviously is his size. He's only five, seven, 180 pounds, but he does have that four, three, seven speed. So in a matchup like this with, you know, the Titans not having much of um, a secondary, I think there's an opportunity for more to like really make an impact in week one. Oh, yeah, and zero pass rush, too, so time to go downfield. I'm with you. Moore's a great call. If he's, he's rostered in just 24% or whatever in Yahoo, he'll be a great week two waiver wire uh, target. I, I would see very popular. What is your thought on A.J. Green? I've just totally ignored the buzz, but there's just been so much hype. I mean, what, what are your thoughts with him? I mean, I feel like the hype is this. It is all hinging upon Kingsbury's ability to, like, make things click. And I just don't, after watching the Bengals all last year, feel like, I mean, I think that sometimes you add a player, especially when this rookie is added and you're a young team in general and you have a young head coach, like sometimes you add a veteran just for the presence and what they can do in the locker room. And to me, you also can't add A.J. Brown and say like, well, you don't get to play now. So to me, when you are ostensibly using four receivers, you can give one of them like an honorable mention. We need you for other reasons, but you'll still log a decent amount of snaps to keep your ego satisfied. Yeah. yeah. I'm with you with Kingsbury though, as far as, I don't know, shaky. It's definitely, he needs to prove, prove himself this year. And it's a tough, tough, tough division, man. Wow. That's a tough division. 
Well, we're talking about the NFC West, so let's move to your team, Dalton, the beloved San Francisco 49ers, who opened their season with a cupcake of a matchup at Detroit. They are favored by seven and a half. It's your team, baby. Go ahead. Well, obviously the story is, you know, Trey Lance and Jimmy G, but I don't know, Lance's uh, status is iffy. So I'll just, I'll go a different route and say Niners D before half the team ends up on IR with Bosa's return and D Ford, a uh, nice bonus uh, against the Lions. Yes, the Lions offensive line looks pretty good, but Taylor Decker, their left tackle is is questionable, missing practice this week. And Penny Sewell, you know, everyone said, how did you, you know, Ch- Jamar Chase struggled in the preseason, but Sewell struggled too. So that offensive line against the Niners D, who are just $12 in Yahoo DFS, um, I think that could be a, be a tasty matchup for the Niners there. But uh, yeah, I'm excited about the season to say the least, Liz, but I, I'm, I'm a homer. So what, what else do you expect? I mean, I, I think when you're looking at the matchup, though, it does sound pretty sweet. My favorite DFS play of the week is Raheem Moster. Now I am a Trey Sermon stand like nobody's business. I love Trey Sermon. I don't, I'm not, I don't think that Raheem Mostert is anything more, frankly, than a special teamer. And his contract disputes have bared that out in my estimation. But Raheem Mostert is the starter right now. And he is healthy right now. And the matchup is great right now. And he is only $26 in Yahoo DFS. I think that is an incredible matchup. I love it. So I'm rolling him out. And I also, you know, want to, I, I don't, I think this is going to be with such a lead. I think that San Francisco is going to lean on their run game. I don't think this is going to be like Scott Pianowski, our colleague, also says, like in order for these matchups to be high flying, even if a team is heavily favored, you need the other team to fight back. And I'm not sure that the Lions have the firepower enough to fight back and create sort of a ping pong match that will result in a lot of passing production. I also think the situation is a little bit different because Jimmy G is very, very much aware. The media reminds him every stinking day that he is on notice. He is the starter week one. The matchup is great, and I think that he is probably going to press. Also, it's worth noting, he did not have George Kittle, Debo Samuel, and Brandon Ayuk on the same squad at the same time for all but two games last year. That was it. And in one of them, by the way, he was the QB9 for the week. So I think there is an opportunity here, particularly in Superflex. Like, I think that you can work your roster more optimally in DFS where you don't have to play Jimmy G. But if you are in a super flex league and you just, you know, on a flyer anticipating Lance would start, took Jimmy G, or maybe you're playing like team quarterbacks instead of individual players, I would roll Jimmy G out. I think he has top 15 ability or potential, I should say, in week one. Can I circle back to your uh, to your most over his last 17 games, 1,500 yards, 16 touchdowns. It's just a health thing with him. I, I have no problem ranking him as a top 10 back this week. The Lions allowed the most fantasy points to opposing backs last year on turf. He's like the fastest back. And with Kittle there, they they average more yards per carry. So love, love Mostert. It's just a health thing. Can the guy stay healthy? He doesn't even have 300 career carries. And he's a special teamer who's not, you know, not a big BMI at all. Yeah, Jimmy G, you could absolutely do worse, especially in, in, in a super flex for this week. Uh, what, do you, what are your any predictions on Lance? It's such an unknown now, even dealing with, you know, a, a fractured finger entering the year i mean i've landed him in just about all 25 of those aforementioned fantasy leagues so it'll be quite funny if my niners jump out to a big lead 
um, you know, a nice, you know, they have an easy sket projected schedule. So Jimmy G could have them six and one or something. And Lance just riding the pine. It's, it's definitely a, a possibility. One of the range of outcomes there. That has been my prediction. Actually, I have been, I have fully admit that if, and when Trey is made the starter, he'll be a top 10 producer from that point on. But how long are you going to have to stash him until that happens? I think, you know, I believe the 49ers have a week seven, week six or week six yeah, by. Yeah. And then they play the Colts in week seven, I think, which also happens to be October 24th, a week ahead of the trade deadline. Let's not forget that the NFL is a business, not just for us fantasy gamers, but for front offices. And given the soft early schedule that you're mentioning, if they can feature Jimmy and he can crush, then they have some real trade capital for another team that might, you know, either be dissatisfied or have be dealing with injuries. And I don't think we're going to see Trey until about that right before the trade deadline after the bye week seven. Yeah, it's, it could go many different ways. Fascinating. I don't even think Shanahan knows what's going to happen, but uh, Jimmy G could also get hurt uh, quickly too. But I, I'm rooting for him. Jimmy G could get hurt or he could also, like if you if he does not go out there on Sunday and slay against Detroit, wrap Lance's finger and let him go. Like then there's no reason. If I, I think Trey Lance is either starting week three against the Packers if Jimmy G can't get it together and really just ball out or week seven. It's those two options. Ooh, I'm going to that Packer game. That should be a, that would be a good one. Uh, real quickly, before we go on the next game, DeAndre Swift was obviously going far too low in PPR leagues. He's uh, not only good to go, but he's like not even limited. Uh, man, in PPR leagues, so, so much upside. I know that it's golf and, and that infrastructure in Detroit, but uh, uh, with the PPR, the upside's there. And he was going fourth and fifth rounds. And we, and we know that Goff is going to need to check down to somebody, even if he has a good offensive line. So I, I think you're right. Uh, I did a, I did a, I stood in for someone in an auction league draft and I was just watching these running backs go off the board for so much money. And I ended up, I think I got the guy DeAndre Swift and CEH both for 27 bucks. And it was, (laughs) right. Like I, like it was incredible. Um, Now I don't get to manage the team, but I'm glad I I hope that it was Joel McHale. So I I drafted Joel McHale's team and, um, I hope he's happy. Um, okay, moving on. <laughs> See, we're all drafting all over the place. Let's talk about the Steelers at the Bills. The Bills are favored by six and a half in this one. And this is us. Uh, this is Dalton, where I have to say you made a really special cameo in the second episode of Eckler's Edge with me and Austin Eckler because a lot of the talk heading into the season has been about Najee Harris and a rookie behind you know, the the Steelers, much fraught, much talked about offensive line. And should he be a top 10 to 12 pick overall? And I asked you, since you were on Fearless Forecast for the week, what's your week one prediction versus at, at Buffalo for Harris? And you said 100 total yards and a touchdown. I asked Austin and Austin said he'd go under on that. Under on that. Yeah, I'm all in on, on Najee Harris. I drafted him 11th overall in, in my league this morning. Um, I think he's just looking at all the touches. There's only a handful of backs you can project 300 plus touches, and he's one of them. Now, I will say Ben Roethlisberger does not uh, historically targeted his running back a ton, but I, I just think Harris is, 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 is... They threw the ball nearly 700 times last year. There's, uh, I just not think that pace is sustainable. And a whole new offensive coordinator with play action, and Harris is just the only game in town. And I don't... I mean, there's something to be said for a rookie 
rookie who's never done it before at the NFL level. You're taking the leap of faith. I mean, not every uh, body can withstand 300 touches at the NFL level, and we haven't seen it happen yet. But man, it's just a really unique situation to just be the guy like he is right away. Well, and the Steelers haven't taken a running back in the first round since Rashad Mendenhall. Like, it's been a minute, (laughs) you know? I also and think no, that- and no one takes running backs in the first round. So I mean, you take that capital. It's it, it, you know they're just gonna. They even went out and said it like they're just an old school thinking franchise, and I think they're gonna treat him like an old you know an old school feature back. Yeah, it's just gonna be interesting to see what he does in in week one. And you also mentioned like Ben Roethlisberger's let's say resistance to check down, but also his arm is in a different place now than it's been at the bulk of his career. And so we're seeing you know, some might say the de-evolution of his game. So I, th- I think Harris is going to be plenty involved. I thought it was interesting that that Austin was like week one, nah, he's, you know, talked him up uh, in terms of his physicality and his talent, but thought he wouldn't really hit a stride because he was a rookie until week three. I also think it's interesting in this game that the Bills are favored by so much. They're favored by six and a half. So you have to imagine that means that Ben Roethlisberger is going to be chasing Josh Allen And I got a couple of questions about whether or not to start Deontay Johnson. I'm assuming it's because of the Tredavious White coverage. And the last time Johnson was covered by White, White limited him to just four grabs. um, And that was in week 14 of last year. But again, we keep talking about volume here. I don't see how he doesn't catch like six balls in this game. Najee, a very affordable $20 in the Yahoo game. Uh, yeah, Deontay, I'm not sitting at all. I, I, I get the uh, the matchup concern. But the cornerback matchups, I don't you can overthink yourself there. Deontay, the targets were there when he was healthy, unlike few other receivers in football last year. I'm not, I'm not sitting him. No, I mean, they're going to... Yeah. The, the Bills are the highest pass rate, neutral pass rate in football the second half last year. There's going to be a ton of plays in this game. And they might be a lot of you know, playing catch-up for Pittsburgh the whole second half. So there may be a ton of pass plays in this game. Eagles at Falcons. Um, Kyle Pitts, you in or you out? So, so, so in. I ranked him above my guy, George Kittle. I rank him above Kittle. I love Kittle so much, but the guy always misses a handful of games, and I have I have Pitts in, in so many leagues. Obnoxiously high draft. If he's there in the fourth round, if I only reason I don't have Kyle, I'm passing on Kyle Pitts is if I had Darren Waller in round two. That's the only reason. All in. Uh, all right, so then what about the... I know you're also all in on Jalen Hurts. Like, this is... I feel like there's a couple of your darlings in this matchup. Yeah, just 26 uh, in, in Yahoo. Uh, yeah, indoors against Atlanta. Should Yeah, a, a much improved offensive line for Philadelphia. Yeah, Hurts. And, and, and Arthur Smith is going to unleash Pitts. He just, I love how he hit him so much in the preseason. It kept his ADP down. Uh, just such a good athlete. Don't look at the historical tight end numbers. This is so different. Uh, you're, you're comparing apples to unicorns there. Uh, Kyle Pitts is gonna 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 smash smash the the rookie tight end records another rookie debuting devonta smith also in my estimation a great price in yahoo dfs only 17 dollars. people are like oh the bmi oh the mcl sprain well he worked his way back onto the field and guess what again 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 volume 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 17 dollars in yahoo dfs all day long immediately a number one target on his team and i have no guarantees how healthy he'll stand in fact i would be shocked if he doesn't miss a few games given his weight but oh there's no concerns about does his weight translate at the nfl level at least if you if you read listen to the buzz it's like he's unguardable like he's uncoverable one of the most impressive rookies in camp so yeah i'm with you all in on devonta smith yeah. again also, that's the beauty injury- of dfs right that's the beauty of dfs mm, we don't need to totally. this is week one guys we 100%. don't we got to stop thinking about the entire season we're in win now mode 
in DFS, you can start Tevin Coleman and not worry about what's going to happen in week three. You can start Devonta Smith and not have to be concerned. He's fresh right now. This is the moment to do it before their prices start to climb. And Mostert's perfect. The perfect example is Mostert. One game you need to see three. Even you get three and a half quarters out of him, you're happy. <laughs> For Yes, he's my favorite play of the week. All right, Browns at Chiefs. This game has the highest projected point total at 54 and a half of Sunday's games. Um, I am all in on Austin Hooper. Another, to me, great DFS play at $17. Solid production at a not great position. I know you're thinking, oh, Liz, but when he moved from Atlanta to Cleveland last year, his volume was cut in basically half. And yes, that is true. However, we got OBJ coming back from an ACL. He's not right. And when you think about the over-under in this one, there's going to be a lot of pass-catching opportunities. And I think Hooper is... Listen, if you're streaming already, if you didn't get Kyle Pitts or Darren Waller like my friend Dalton or TJ Hawkinson, who I was all in on, then and you're streaming already, bros, get yourself some Austin Hooper. Also, Stefanski talked him up over the summer saying he was going to increase his role. That should mean a lot more opportunities in the passing game. I'm totally with you on Hooper. I haven't ranked like my 16th tight end right behind Gronkowski. Uh, I, the second half last year, they quietly were really good passes. Like 11 to 1 TD to INT ratio with a 7.8 YPA. And like two or three of those games was extreme wind conditions and there was no Beckham. I like Stefanski and, and Mayfield moving forward and, and Hooper, a, a solid late round flyer for tight end. A couple other areas you could go here with, with Kansas City. Uh, obviously, my guy Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, how healthy is the ankle? Is he going to bounce back here too? Um, and McCall Hardman, he's dealing with an oblique and a huge unknown. Are they going to trade for Brandon Cooks in two weeks? Or when we saw Tyreek Hill sit out, and by the way, Tyreek Hill has been dealing with this weird knee thing. I think he's fine, probably. But when he was out, Hardman got like six targets in a quarter. Like, I mean, the wide range of outcomes on him is bust or top whatever, 20 fantasy wideouts. So curious with him. Yeah, those are excellent, excellent points. I think we often skip over the Chiefs because we just expect them to expect them to beast, but I love those. Um, so the Packers open their season at the Saints. I feel like this is the 2020 last dance versus the last dance of 2021. Now that Breeze and Thomas aren't on the field, we've got uh, Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams suiting up. But, you know, you mentioned earlier, like, listen, I'm all in. I think the Packers are going to the Super Bowl. They're my Super Bowl pick. I'm not worried about them. I'm happy to start. Aaron Jones, and I've got A.J. Dillon stashed a couple of places, and obviously Devontae Adams is an absolute stud. I'm high on Rodgers. Boom. The Saints, though, from a fantasy perspective, are much more intriguing to me. You mentioned the helium that Marquez Calloway had throughout the draft process. Ah, week one, though, Jair Alexander, though, he only allowed three catches and 30 yards a game last season. This, to me, is a like, if you got him in the double-digit rounds— I mean, man, if you got him in the double-digit rounds, then you probably got him earlier than the hype allowed. I would hold him this week because, assumingly, you should have options ahead of him. Callaway is $12, though, in DFS, if he's just the target target hog on New Orleans. But, uh, yeah, I mean, Traquan Smith, he returned to practice yesterday. Now he missed practice. So it's uh, he could just be the so number one guy there. But, yeah, Jair is obviously suboptimal matchup for sure. And who knows if he's just a training camp superstar. I mean, Callaway's interesting. I mean, he went for, or he, for a crazy amount of fabs because some leagues that were drafted before the hype. So, uh, yeah, he's, he's very intriguing. The number one guy to, to, to watch this game. The other guy I'll throw at you is MVS. Uh, you know, my, my guy, Valdez Scantling, he got plenty of uh, preseason hype. And let's see if the, the hands have uh, improved as reported and if he's matured both on and off the field, as Rogers claims. I'm, I'm, I'm back in on MVS. 
All right. I know you can't quit him. Um, another player to watch, Jawan Johnson. I want to see how the targets are distributed yeah. here because he's that converted wide receiver into tight end. You know, I thought it might be Troutman. Troutman's banged up right now anyway, but a lot of the preseason reports were that Troutman was going to do a lot more blocking than we initially anticipated, which makes sense because he had the number one, as a rookie, by the way, the number one run blocking grade per PFF. So I'm going to keep an eye out for Johnson. You know, if you can't get Hooper and you're throwing darts, I have Johnson, like, stashed in a couple of places. Maybe I'll roll him out and see what happens. Last note about this squad, though, the Saints had a lot going on. Um, Their backfield, we mentioned at the top of the show, Latavius Murray and Devonta Freeman, they were both cut in favor of Tony Jones, who was a 2020 undrafted free agent out of Notre Dame, I believe, and he spent all of last year on the practice squad. So there is familiarity with the club. Yeah, you look at his workout metrics, they don't they look bad, frankly, but who cares? The game tape, he's clearly won the job, and he's the number two behind arguably the best offensive line in football, Kamara, whom I love, and I think he has a strong argument to move ahead of Dalvin Cook. Um, but he's also a, a bigger injury risk because of the increased workload he's looking at, uh, Kamara. So yeah, Tony Jones is right there. As, as a good argument as any of the the upside backup guys to stash. I mean, I still would prefer the A.J. Dillon, but he's you know right right behind him with the Ramonda Stevensons, those, those types. Huge, huge upside, huge league-winning upside. And and, you know, you could argue you could argue that he could carve a, a flex role like L- Lat Murray, but that's not really where I'm most interested. I'm most interested is like a league winner if Camara goes down. I totally agree. Um, I think right now for week one, he's like in that RB 50-ish range for me right now. That might be a little bit high, frankly, but um, he, he's in that space. But again, another player, we're giving you the week one stats and we're also giving you like look into the future and pin this name stats because it is our job to look ahead to the future and that's how people win. So you're welcome. Uh, You know who doesn't win? The Broncos often and neither did the Giants and those two teams are playing each other this weekend and uh, you know, the Broncos are actually favored in this one. I think that this could be one of the messiest games on the whole slate. So the aforementioned Mike Clay, his defensive rankings have the Broncos number one of all the units, uh, so maybe surprisingly. So uh, this I, Teddy Bridgewater, I'm, I'm buying more into Jerry Judy since Bridgewater took over. You know, he was sixth in air yards last year as a rookie. I know Sutton's back now, but he goes from an inaccurate quarterback to an accurate one. So I ranked him disgustingly high. So I hope he does well this week one. And I would be uh, I'd be sad if Sud- Sutton is suddenly the alpha getting 15 targets, but um, which could happen, by the way. But um, I do think this Denver team is sneaky they didn't make the big splash with Aaron Rodgers or obviously Deshaun Watson but Bridgewater uh, I picked him to, to to actually uh to win one of the wild card spots in, the, in a tough AFC Ooh, wow I, I I don't know if I would go that far I'm not near I am high on Judy for all of the reasons you said I'm not really high on this squad the Denver defense does have a fantastic opening schedule I was trying to draft them everywhere because you're eventually going to like sub out your defense right so but the first couple of weeks of the season are chef's kiss matchup wise so one less thing to have to tweak in your lineups um I'm interested because we're talking about the Giants and you were on running backs for fearless forecast Saquon Barkley has been a constant point of discussion within the fantasy community do you remember what you forecasted for him in week one I don't exactly, but it's just expect limited workload uh, this week because I believe they play, play the Thursday game right away. So this either way, they're going to limit one way or the other. But man, I, I just am not hesitating drafting him if he falls to the early second round or even late first still. I think it's all about the fantasy playoffs anyway. And I think he's going to be mostly all systems go after after week three. But you could talk talk me out of it, Liz, because this is I've been mostly agnostic about him throughout summer. I mean, I just think it's a volume issue. I don't think it's a talent issue. I think eventually he'll get back to where he was. The question is how quickly. And when you look at the Giants and the investment, you said earlier that nobody drafts running backs in the first round. Well, 
Saquon was the number two pick overall. And I feel like there's a lot of saving face and protecting of the investment, ensuring the investment that needs to be done here, which means limiting his workload. And also, this was a point that Greg Rosenzall made, frankly, on the Around the NFL podcast. Like, he was never that efficient as a runner. He just got so much so many points and opportunities through the air. And when you look at all of the pass catchers the team added, like, I don't know math-wise how that's all going to be sustainable as an early pick. But I also think, like, he is really talented. I I think this Giants squad is a mess. I don't trust Jason Garrett. I don't trust a lot of the pieces. I don't trust that Kenny Galladay is healthy. I I don't trust that he got his hip fixed. I do believe he had a labrum tear. Um, And I think that is going to be a mess, and I'm trying to, to fade as many pieces. It'll be interesting to see what, like, you know, Judge came out and said that he might let Kadarius Tony, the the rookie, get a little bit of week one run. Okay, fine. But for me, this is a stay away situation. And I actually have Saquon my, as my running back 17 in week one. Oh, no, that, yeah, no, that, that, that's fair. Um, if you want to fear this forecast, it'd be like 14 touches, 68 yards and a touchdown or something. I'll, I'll counter the, the target issue though. Evan Ingram might be sidelined indifferently and indefinitely. He's hurt as always. Kenny G out again. Tony's hurt. Um, I like Sterling Shepard. That's why he's kind of shooting up draft boards. Uh, interesting there, but, um, I, I could counter my own counter with Eli Manning fed him all those targets when Barkley was and and, and Daniel Jones has not quite done that in, in their, their history together. And that offensive line is a shaky as is their coaching but still I think Barkley if you got him in PPR leagues in the second round you're going to be happy all right let's talk about the Dolphins at the Patriots couple of young quarterbacks Mac Jones obviously the Mac Jones era begins officially in New England on Sunday and the Patriots are favored by three which is also interesting given that the Dolphins seem to be the one team in this division that gives the Patriots a little bit of trouble especially with Brian Flores who's come out of the Belichick tree Uh, coaching up the Dolphins and I think way ahead of the rebuild that they were anticipating. Oh man, if Mac Jones is better than Trey Lance, I'm going to cry after all the, after all those, (laughs) everything that happened in draft season. Um, I I think the the New England's front seven looks dangerous versus Miami's shaky offensive line. I I hope to all those positive things carry over to the regular season for sure. But I think this is a tough matchup. Um, and Damian Harris is the guy I've, I've been drafting here late and, and being uh, too silly in my rank and too silly in my ranks because I know he doesn't catch passes, but the guy's really, really good. That offensive line he is can, good, though. and I'm kind of all he in. Can. I'm all in. We saw at Alabama that he has that ability. He just hasn't been allowed to yet. And I will give you all the Ty Johnson, but I'm gonna claim me some Damian Harris. I am same boat. Have been st- like pounding the floor for him. Absolutely love him. This week though. I don't know. Like the Dolphins gave up the third fewest fantasy points to running backs last year. The matchup is not great. I think he's in that like RB 22 to 23 range for week one. So I'd manage expectations, but I don't want anybody adding either Dalton or myself when you're like, oh, Damian Harris wasn't RB one. What happened? I'm telling you now the matchup is tough. Give him a minute. Overall, it will pan out. And New England threw the, to its backs, I believe, the third most times last year. Now, admittedly, none to Damian Harris, but James White's 29 years old. Um, man, I, I could, uh, with Mac Jones winning that job and Cam Newton gone, love, love Damian Harris. Also, like uh, Jacoby Myers quite a bit, too. Oh, I totally agree. Totally agree. I mean, wide receiver one. We're in a place, by the way, where like the wide receiver one is being ranked below like wide receiver threes behind behind like chase claypool in some um ranks which i I agree it's not a sexy play it's not a flash play but 
I will always tell this story. Like I remember someone recommending that I watch Calvin Harmon's tape out of NC State. And I got so bored watching him. Like, which is like, I, but Jacoby Myers on the other side of the field. I was like, oh, who's that player? Who's that guy? And then went down a whole Jacoby Myers rabbit hole. And I think this was 2019 and like said a couple of things and people were like, you crazy. And now this one, I, this feels good to get this one right. So I felt the same way about Damian Harris. Maybe, maybe what I'm saying is that me and Bill, Bel- me and Bill Belichick are like equals. That, that's, that's what I'm hearing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm being facetious. Please don't at me about that. Oh my God, I'm being facetious. All right, let's talk about my awful bears who um, are playing my lovely Rams <laughs> in my new home city of Los Angeles on Sunday night. This one I like to call the Loza Bowl. I am probably rooting for the bears, but I'm wincing and then we'll also be cheering as uh, Aaron Donald sacks, not because he's hurt Andy Dalton, but just because that means we're that much closer to the Justin Fields era in Chicago. Um, I'll say right away, I did not expect this to be one of my favorite sleepers of the week and a great DFS play. But if you don't mind variance, Deshaun Jackson is only $12 in Yahoo DFS. And if Deshaun Jackson, who is got the speed to perfectly align with Stafford's arm, assumedly taking that Brandon Cooks role in a Sean McVay offense week one where he generally performs pretty well because he's still healthy, yes. God, I love this play. Again, it's not for the faint of heart, but I would say that's probably my like one sneaky, excited thing to watch because the rest of it is too much for me. That's a great point because, you know, everyone says, oh, he's better in best ball. That's like Deshaun Jackson's a great example of that. But that works for DFS, you know? I mean, it's, or for at least for tournaments, especially. Volatility, and you don't need the guy to stay healthy longer than four quarters. So, uh, yeah, Deshaun Deshaun Jackson's been a sneaky late, late round flyer. What, so what, the big story is, does Andy Dalton make it past halftime? I mean, are they down 20 points and they say, oh, you got nothing to lose. Let's turn it over to the kid. Or we're we're worried that Darnold's going to injure Fields. I mean, I think that Andy's got week two against Cincinnati. I don't think that Justin Fields is taking the field until okay. week four. Okay. And I have resigned myself to that. And I'm I'm comfortable with it. Somebody tweeted, like, find someone who loves you as much as Matt Nagy loves Andy Dalton. I was like, how about find someone who protects you as much as Matt Nagy protects Justin Fields? Because I think a lot of, like, you cannot break him yet. And I do not want him thrown to the wolves at SoFi, this gorgeous brand new stadium against Aaron Donald and that defense. So I, I I think right now I'm okay with it. And I'm just looking at it from a fantasy perspective. I am interested to see, you know, I, I did get a couple of questions about Allen Robinson because the matchup against Jalen Ramsey is obviously tough. I think when you're still looking at volume, like I think probably 70 yards is within over 70 yards is probably reasonable for Robinson. I don't know if he gets a touchdown, but I'm going to anticipate going over 70 yards. And then we got to see how staff, works with Woods and Cup. I tend to be a Woods supporter. Both of these guys are going to see a ton of volume. How is Sony Michelle going to be used? I still think that he might be a little bit washed and he's more there for insurance, but how much insurance, how much are they going to try to keep Henderson, who McVay talked about uh, being fearful of his durability issues? Like how much are they going to try to protect him and keep him fresh? There's a, there's a lot of 
long-term implications right now in this matchup. Yep, super interested in Sony Michelle's usage. He was quietly really good, went on the field last year, but chronic knee issues, and he may not even know the playbook yet, too. Daryl Henderson, I mean, he could, another volatile guy with a wide range of outcomes. He could be an RB1 or continuously battle injuries all year, and Michelle be the, the you know, the big the big backups uh, guy with upset. But, yeah, you think he's washed. I mean, it's entirely, I mean, that the knee issue there didn't suddenly go away, even though his situation improved. I also think that Bill Belichick, like, knows what he's doing who did you have ranked higher heading into the season overall Henderson or Harris Damian Harris oh Damian Harris right now I definitely have higher yeah 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 me too all right but they're about the same RB20 versus RB23. yeah no, I, yeah. yeah no I'm just uh, crazy and I rank Damian Harris like 15th or something I'm just I'm all in so uh, we're, 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 we're rowing in the same boat here. Monday night we've got the Ravens at the Raiders we obviously talked about this matchup a little bit at the top of the show when we went over all of the backfield injuries for the Ravens. Right now, they are still favored by four. And the over-under, though, in this one is 50 and a half. Uh, that's, that's a little curious to me. Yeah, this should be exciting just to see Vegas with the home crowd, uh, you know, wild there Monday night. Uh, yeah, I mean, that, that should be exciting. I'm just actually most looking forward to the crowd and just the scene there because the product might not be great, man. It might be catching up to Gruden. I mean, he, he's, an, you know, he knows whatever. He knows offense. He knows football. But trying to be the GM, the drafts, the free agencies, I mean, all the reaches in the drafts, uh, I don't know. It's going to catch up to them. I mean, their offensive line went from a strength to a weakness in the offseason. Uh, I don't know, man. What's there to get excited about? Other than my guy, Brian Edwards, the young T.O. I like Brian oh. Edwards. I mean, I, I like him. But uh, other than that, oh, Waller, sorry, my guy Waller. I've actually been in on him in round two. I, I, I like the advantage of getting the elite tight end. But yeah, the, the, the Raiders are not, you know, they're looking at, what, a seven-win type season. It's not not great. Love you on the Brian. We are, there are some simpatico going on. I love Brian Edwards. If we're looking, I like to look at these receiving cores in particular at, through a, like, which of these things is not like the other lens to see who could get what kind of opportunities. And I think Brian Edwards is the... You know, is the, is the receiver that stands out because of his really physical skill set. Uh, I had big hopes for him heading into last year. But again, who knows? I don't know how. I would definitely bet the under on this one very, very strongly. I'm not quite, I can't quite envision how we get to 51 points here, but... You know. Yeah, the Ravens can even suit an offense. Yeah, they might want to slow it down a little there, too. Yeah, you're right. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm with you on the under there. That is surprisingly high, being above 50, for sure. Yeah, so the Ra- Ra- Ravens running back situation will definitely be the, obviously the key to this, uh, you know, the, the story here. Can Tyson Williams take advantage of be suddenly become the feature back, last man standing on a Baltimore Raven offense that runs the ball like crazy, and Lamar Jackson inevitably opens up a bunch of holes? We shall see. It is going to be an exciting week one. I'm sure we will have plenty of takes fresh for you on Monday and Tuesday. If you guys liked the talk about the betting lines, then make sure to check out our newest podcast. It's called the Yahoo Sportsbook Daily. Uh, In it, our industry-leading experts are going to attempt to make you some money. We all like money, right? And they're going to do that by giving you the sharpest betting advice across all the sports, not just NFL. So search for it on your favorite podcast platform and subscribe to get new episodes every single day. I'm at Liz Loza. That's at Dalton Del Don. Check us out on Twitter at Yahoo Fantasy. Oh, and, and, oh my gosh, do we ever stop making content? My goodness, I can tell you from my sleep logs that I do, that we do not, right, Dalton? <laughs> we just keep turning it out. This new offering, though, is turned out by Matt Harmon and TJ Hernandez of 4 for 4. It's a DFS-focused 
preview show. It'll be coming into your feeds tomorrow. And then I'll be back with Harmon on Monday to recap all of Sunday's fantasy performances. Woo! Until then, welcome back, football. We are out momentarily.